Land and God's creation around us is a central theme in the Bible. It starts with the Garden of Eden story in Genesis and ends with images of a new heaven and a new earth in Revelations. We are told to be thankful for all that creation provides. There are stories of exodus and migration from one land to another as God's chosen people escape from various human and environmental calamities. There are stories of abundance and there are stories of famine. In Isaiah 24, 4-6, we read, The earth dries up and withers. The world languishes and withers. The heavens languish together with the earth. The earth lies polluted under its inhabitants, for they have transgressed laws, violated the statutes, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse devours the earth, and its inhabitants suffer for their guilt. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth dwindled, and few people are left. What are people of faith to make of all of this? Hi, my name is Dan Dick and welcome to Church Matters. Joining me in the studio today is Dr. Henry Jansen. Dr. Jansen is a soil biochemist with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada in Lethbridge, Alberta. He studies how prairie lands respond to the way we manage them and how our farmlands are linked to other ecosystems globally. Dr. Jansen was scientist in residence at Canadian Mennonite University in Winnipeg from February 2 to 6. He says I can call him Henry, and that for him, both faith and science are ways of seeking. Henry is a member of the Coaldale Mennonite Church in Coaldale, Alberta. Welcome to Church Matters, Henry. Thank you, Dan. Information on the dire state of our environment is not hard to find. Our increasing population means increasing demands for food. There are reports of nutrients leaking into the water and air of species going extinct. The scientific community tells us that carbon dioxide concentrations in the atmosphere are rising quickly from our carbon emissions, and that this is affecting our climate. In the court of public opinion, the jury is out on human-induced climate change. Now, from your science and faith-based perspective, how can Christians and churches most helpfully respond to the climate change debate? My suspicion is that one thing that we can do especially within the church, is find meaningful ways to have respectful and growing conversations. To get away from the polarizing academic debates, taking ourselves back to questions of faithfulness, which means asking each other, how are we together as a community, not as individuals, not finger-pointing at each other's carbon footprints necessarily, for example, but asking each other, how can we as a community live more faithfully with a higher level of stewardship and commitment? Can we, even though we don't necessarily interpret data coming to us, information coming to us exactly the same way, can we talk about those gently? Can we make peace among ourselves? And then from the peace that exists among us, start to forge peace in broader communities, including peacefully nourishing the land upon which we all live. If we look ahead 50 years, what should we do now? We can do a lot of small things to take better care of the earth. We can ride our bikes or we can take public transit to work. We can better insulate our homes, grow more gardens, plant more trees. 
But none of those things are going to stop the construction of coal plants on the other side of the world, for example, or reduce the amount of oil extracted from the earth. Can we as individuals do anything that stands a chance of making a real difference? Is the time for doing small things over? You know, Dan, that's a, that's, that, that's a, a lovely question that I, I wrestle with all the time. Because the short answer is, the small things that I do really don't make much difference in themselves. The Atmos doesn't really notice whether I ride my bike to the grocery store or drive my car. That small little bit is not going to be noticed in the midst of the billions of tons of carbon that are emitted annually by the global population. And yet I think we have the hope that maybe a small act on my part might coalesce with small acts of other members of the community in which I live. And that maybe the combined small acts of my community will coalesce with those of another community. And eventually, maybe we're talking about a community of communities which may seed the possibility for decisions and efforts that now extend to national, maybe international levels. Now, some would say that's a naive hope. And in a way, probably it is. Many of our hopes have an element of naivety. But that raises one other uh, aspect that we that applies especially to those of us who consider ourselves people of faith. We're not in this alone, we claim. We are working as stewards on this creation, stewards with the Creator, we believe. And now suddenly, the small act, in my view, maybe amounts to something because we're not in this alone. After all, we who are of the Christian faith believe in things like a mustard seed. We, we hear the stories of a few loaves and fishes and what can become of that. So it is a naive hope. It is a hope not necessarily grounded on solid science, but yet I, I dwell on that hope and uh, am consoled by it, but also motivated by it. It seems to me that whether you believe in human-induced climate change or not, reducing consumption, throwing away less garbage and so on, it's simply the right thing to do. Is that something that will sell to both skeptics and believers in your mind? Well, certainly it's true, I think, that many of the practices and many of the acts of conservation that we might adopt to reduce climate change will also have many scattering benefits. The idea of looking after something. I think it was Havel, Vaclav Havel, who said something like, uh, hope is not necessarily the idea or the notion that things are going marvelously well. Rather, he said, it is the ability, the capacity, the privilege of being engaged in something that matters, something that counts, something that will outlive us and outlast us. And what is it 
that lives beyond us. Most of the things have to do with relationship. Relationships with each other, relationships with our Creator, relationships even with the land on which we live. I've often said in, in, in my studies and in my work, something like this, I, I, will, I will say that we, we come and go. Our dreams and aspirations flourish and fade, but the land stays. The land stays and remembers. And one day it'll remember us. And that is both a hopeful thought and a sobering thought. Hopeful in the sense that what you and I do in this brief tenure on the land and with each other and under the umbrella of our, of our Creator, it counts for something. Something remains. We are not here just for a brief interlude and leave without leaving a trace. That is a point that I love to think about, and it gives me hope, and it gives me a lot of motivation and energy to try to leave a footprint, leave a mark, leave a semblance of hopefulness that speaks somewhat kindly of the time I was here. The title question of our episode, Will God Take Care of the Earth If We Don't? Well, that's a, that's a powerful question, and uh, I will respond to it this way. I don't know. I, I mean, if, if, if I could give the answer, I would have to know the mind of God to know what He intends to do or what He will do. But I do have an inkling. And it's a hopeful inkling. And that is the knowledge that God created this planet. And he called it good. No, he called it very good in the end, didn't he? And my sense is that he loves his creation, of which you and I are a part. And uh, the way I read the scripture suggests to me that he would very much like to use us as instruments in preserving and restoring and regreening his handiwork. So the question is maybe not what God's plans are for the world and the earth, and the planet, and the creation, but more, more specifically also, what his plans are for us. And I would answer that by saying, I think he calls us to be stewards with him, with his blessings, with his forgiveness, when we don't quite manage the degree of stewardship <laughs> that he might have hoped of us. And that is maybe the, another source of hopefulness. The idea that we're not going to always get it right. And sometimes we're going to do things that don't contribute to the greening of the planet. But we have forgiveness from each other, but especially forgiveness from our, our Creator. 
The other day I heard you share at the student forum uh, that you find hope for change in how we treat our planet in the artists, in the songwriters, in the storytellers. Can you say more about that? Yes, that's something that I've uh, been thinking about a while and something that I've been coming to. In our discussion even now, I think it has come clear that renewing the earth and resolving the enormous challenges that confront us, that will require not only better science, I think it will also require a change in the mindset and the motivation of people, of you and I, and all of our fellow humans uh, living as communities on this planet. And who's going to do that? Is it going to be the scientist with fancy graphs and August papers and long-winded discussions? Maybe just a tiny little bit. But I think it's going to come down to the artists, the storytellers, the poets, the singers, the musicians, the visual artists. Who among us are the ones gifted in changing human minds? The human heart, I think, will be swayed not by fancy graphs and data and studies, but by the lilt of a song, the rhythm of a rhyme, and the potency of a story. You've left us all, both the scientific community and the arts community, with a great challenge. Thank you for that. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. You can join me again in just four weeks for another episode of Church Matters. We're here for you at 8.45 a.m. on the third Sunday of every month. We always welcome your feedback to the program, and we love to hear listener ideas for topics and themes that you would like us to cover. Dash off your email to churchmatters at mennonitechurch.ca. We also accept your phone calls and financial support for this program at 1-866-888-6785 or you can visit mennonitechurch.ca and click on the donate link. I'm your host, Dan Dick. Know that you are called, equipped, and sent to be the church in the world today. Thanks for listening. As you go out from here, may the Lord go with you the face of God shine on you every day we are sent by God wherever